This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Hello, my name is Stephanie Preisner and I'm here to tell you about my show, Basically. It's all in the name, really. The show makes things basic for people. We've done episodes about world religions. We've done episodes about COVID. We've done episodes, a lot of episodes about mental health and different aspects of mental health to make things accessible to people. One of the great things about the podcast is that you can contact me and let me know what topics you would like. So have a listen, see if anything tickles your fancy. And if there's something there that you think is missing... Please get in touch with the show. We'll cover the topic and then you can listen to it. We're part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, so you can find us on headstuffpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Welcome to the Film Network Ireland Rap Chat on Headstuff Podcast Network. I'm your host for today, Georgina McEvitt. And it's been a while since I've been here. Yeah. Um, it's great to be back. Yeah, you're like jet setting. I'm surprised that we had like a minute to kind of drag you off a flight from <laughs> Los Angeles into a room. How are you doing? It was New Orleans, actually. New Orleans? Yeah. Went for five days, stayed for five weeks. New Not Orleans. this time. New Orleans. But but, uh, is it New Orleans or New Orleans? New Orleans? They, I don't, they don't say it as drawn out as everybody else says. They're like, New Orleans. No. But uh, they definitely have the draw. Well, welcome back. Thank you. It's great to have you back in the studio again. Um, and we have, it's great to have anybody back in the studio <laughs> or anyone anywhere and just not on a Zoom call, which is really fantastic. Yeah, it makes such a difference. Um, I find myself staring at people like walking down the street because <laughs> you're so used to staring into like a, a Zoom thing and you're trying to make eye, ton- eye contact with people. Yeah to get across that you're listening so yeah people walking by me in the street I just stare at them a little too long so this is helping my uh, interaction <laughs> skills you, yeah yeah you, you, it's not intimidating at all <laughs> um so yeah um speaking of really interesting presence presences presence 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 and um, we have so we have someone on today that has a really interesting presence who might that be yeah today I will be talking to Antonia Campbell Hughes who's an actress, writer, and recent award-winning director for her feature debut, It Is In Us All. I watched it, and I have to say, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, I, I think some of the choices that she made were really brave. Um, the lead actor and character, uh, the, so the lead actor is Cosmo uh, Jarvis, but the character he plays is just such a complex character and watching his journey and what he does with the character and the development of that character um it, it was as as someone who writes also it was just um a little masterclass in in complex character mm-hmm. um i think it's a uh, if you're not familiar with uh, cosmo jarvis he was one of the leads in camel horses uh, a couple of years ago with barry keoghan and just a really, really interesting performer in the sense that you go, you think of yourself, he's going to go on and do some incredibly big things, and he has. He's, yeah. you know, he's worked on like super huge stuff. Um, but I think it's a, for 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 me anyway, it's it's a convergence of two really interesting proper creatives or artists kind of working together, and I think that's quite reflective on screen. Am I right, Georgina McEvitt? You are right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's. 
just even the way it's shot, you can see how much uh, influence um, Antonia has over every aspect of it. She's been creating from very young age. Um, is very um, artistic and there's a lot of like indie work. Um, however, she did start in comedy. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, she was in a programme with Jack D, and then she went on to write sketches for MTV uh, for her own show called Bluebell Welch. Wow. It just goes to show for someone with such a, and I, you know, and I mean this in a, an incredibly positive way, with such a kind of intense chemistry. Yeah. Particularly in our performances. Yeah. It's you know I think it's great to see that kind of um, that uh, duality of kind of the you know the two sides of the coin kind of thing and how one needs the other and how you know that it shows it's a measure of our talent being able yeah. to jump from that to some of our screen performances and now this. Yeah, and so she they were in South by Southwest in March. And she received um, the special jury recognition of extraordinary cinematic vision mm. award. Honda Parish, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, it's brilliant. And um, watch out for it. So on the when's it in? It's out on the twenty third of September. Cool. So it's this week. So go and see it. Support local. It is local. It's funded and produced uh, by uh, Screen Ireland uh, among others. And. Uh, it's a really interesting piece of work. In other news, earlier in the week, because this is not a live show, so if it's Thursday or Friday and you're listening to this, then there's a good chance that uh, you still have time to pick up a ticket for the FNI Unmasked Expo, which is happening in Griffith College. Whoop, whoop. Um, um, and it's our first kind of day out for a long time. I mean, we haven't done a networking event since 2019, so we're really excited to get people together. We have... A, a smorgasbord of, 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 of speakers and uh, just people really giving their time to kind of get everybody under one roof again. So it's a great opportunity uh, to network. There'll be speed networking events, which everybody loves. Um, and there'll be wonderful opportunities to hear from, among others, um, Mark O'Connor will be there, um, director of um, Cardboard Gangsters and Stalker and King of the Travellers and... Um, so many people, Joe and Darren um, from Joe and Darren's Free Gaff, and of course, Jer Walsh, the, the uh, director and co-creator uh, of that show. And just, like, we've, we've so many uh, talks, we just don't know, we have no, we don't have enough time to fit everybody in. That says a lot about the, the community and how people feel about kind of giving something back to people, you know, kind of uh, in the lift, who are coming up in the lift, as it were. So you can get tickets, tickets are, um, available on our website if you go to wearefni.com um, you can find Tick80 there bring a, a filmmaking friend a colleague um, uh, your significant other uh, anyone that really likes films and just really wants to get together again and cough all over each other
Hi, I'm Georgina McEvitt and I'm your host for today's episode. I'm here with, and I don't say this lightly, multi-talented Antonia Campbell-Hughes, actress, writer and recent award-winning director for her feature debut, It Is In Us All. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So yeah, you are the recent winner at South by Southwest for the special jury recognition of extraordinary cinematic vision. What was that like? Yeah, thank you for remembering the name of it. <laughs> no, um, it was great actually because what's so interesting about South by with the awards is I think this particular jury award, they actually redesign the name or the category, if you will, of the award mm-hmm. uh, each year. Okay. And so they specifically coined that title for my film. Wow. Which I thought was so kind of hitting the nail on the head because um, it specifically is, uh, I wanted to create a, a sensory cinematic experience. You know, I, I really felt that the visual and the sound and, you know, the experience of it was the key character. And so right. that's why that award meant so much to me. And so what was it like on the night receiving that award? Um, it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's such a chilled out festival, okay. you know. Um, and yeah, I've been given a little bit of a heads up, which is nice too. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's such a welcoming open festival. It's not like, you know, gala-ish or anything. And it's just, I mean, it, it's always nice to be recognized, you know. Amazing. So yeah. I watched a movie and I really, really really liked it really loved it um and I, I really liked that you took time um for the character in solitary moments as well mm-hmm. I really enjoyed those mm-hmm. um what was the how long was the process like from page to production um so I think it came to me quite quickly like um it was a scheme that is with Screen Ireland it was a funding scheme and I was told uh I was informed about the scheme by someone at Screen Ireland okay. quite late. I think I had like two weeks to turn an application around. Oh, wow. Um, but was it is interesting. I mean, they said, do you have anything to submit with? And I didn't, actually. I'd had other things in development at Screen Ireland, but it had to be something original and new. And there were certain um, conditions by which you had to apply with. So it had to be set in Ireland. Okay. Um, it was low budget. It had to be, you know, be able to be made within a certain budget. Um, but there's certain things that have always intrigued me and carried with me. Uh, I tend to just write my own truths. Mm-hmm. And that is human dynamics I'm sort of intrigued by and interested in. I've been really interested in masculinity versus male and how we kind of address that and give time to it in space. Um, the, the sort of stereotypes that seem to be necessary by which people have to exist in, like... There's so many areas of our world that we need to be quite binary in order to feel comfortable. And once you go off that binary labeling, it suddenly is, is taboo. And okay. Things that are so simple. Anyway, so I was very interested in that. Um, and, and then hanging those ideas and ideologies off a narrative. And I, my own thing was that I've been um, spending a lot of time visiting Northern Ireland or Donegal where my mother was from. Right. And I didn't know so well. And, you know, it's the same story as the protagonist where he is, it's a birthplace that he mm-hmm. doesn't know and wants to establish a relationship and disconnect. So this, and I've been hearing about these young boys that are in car crashes. Yeah. The story just seemed to fall out of me. It was like it, and it, I've been writing for so long. And I do say that 
the ones that seem to come easily and seem to have they they write themselves tend to be the ones that are made okay mm. okay and it's funny that you mention uh like the young drivers in Donegal I was there I think probably about two years ago and we just heard this noise outside and we looked down it's just somebody doing donuts all just in circles and circles in yeah. a car and that, that seems quite a, a regular thing so people were talking about it while you were there yeah, I mean, there, there were accidents that were happening, but what really struck me and what I really wanted to show, I mean, I absolutely did not want to make a film about boy racers. Even the right. term is like, it, I kept saying, it's not about boy racers. It's not. Because the donuts is, there are some kids who are just children and they're doing things like they're swimming in the sea at night. Mm-hmm. They're jumping out of trees. It's There's an innocence and some of them get, I think, pinpointed as being these boy racer types where they're not they're just taking their parents cars and driving yeah and there was one particular incident and a boy who was there was a fatal incident and um and i remember seeing a news clipping about him and he was a child a tiny child and you know uh there was nothing cynical or um advanced or um mature about him there was a just such a childishness and that's something that I thought was so interesting and also what I thought what I thought was very interesting about these kids is the deep intrinsic vitality and connection with living and an unbridled um, openness and beauty that they Mm -hmm. have that is kind of irrelevant to the driving aspect it's just a a youthful tribalness the connectivity with where they come from and each other and it's so in contrast with men of a kind of affluent uh, city, like like London, for example, yeah. where men are uh, so excellent in their, their external. They have yeah. great jobs. They're so quaffed. They're beautiful. They've got perfect bodies. And they work so hard to excel in, in every sense. And they have no internal life. Yeah. So is that contrast I want to talk about? Which you you got across, I have to say, amazingly, especially in the first, in the opening scene. <laughs> like, you really set up the character that we were about to see yeah. throughout the film. There was just that, like, awkwardness, socially awkward, and I don't know if, if you were trying to get, like, kind of emotionally stunned, stunted, um, um, controlled, and... Yeah, I mean... But it was a I great was, scene. Thank you. I, I love that scene, <laughs> because it was trying to give exactly that, who this man is in one scene... So then we know him instantly yeah. and then can go on his change with him. Um, but that scene, what it specifically is looking at is someone who's so controlled that they can't mm-hmm. uh, deal with any um, uh, imposition into their world. Like, and what, I mean, we don't want to give it anything away, but <laughs> it's not, but it's the kind of um, uh, friendliness or or curiosity that there is of people from Northern Ireland or Donegal um, is mm. so imposing on his space. Yeah. And that's what specifically I was trying to show. Yeah, yeah. which came across And he's very hostile with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and just on that with the, uh, with the main character and Cosmo Jarvis, did you have a lot of discussions uh, with him about the character? Because, again, uh, as you just perfectly got across, like that complex character, mm-hmm. you know, and there's so much depth and range yeah well that's what i think is um because cosmo is so different to my character hamish and that's what i think is really interesting about casting actors against type Mm -hmm. because then they do inherently bring a complexity and you know something that's not linear which i really like um 
And what I was really interested about with Cosmo was um, working on his physicality because he naturally has a much more loose gait. Yeah. And I wanted someone to be very rigid. And so I sent him um, all these uh, YouTube videos of, of ballerinos and male models and how they walk. Um, male men who do these facial self-care tutorials mm -hmm. because it, there's a certain way of this kind of um, uh, egoist self-care um, vanity and poise with so many men that Cosmo just it doesn't give himself that time for yeah and uh, and that he worked we worked on it for a long time he worked on it then and brought it to the uh, when he arrived in Ireland and um, that's why I think it's so interesting because I did meet a lot of actors who are more naturally like that in their own lives right and that and you know a lot of actors they are very self-aware and they are quite groomed and they all want to rough up for a role, especially mm -hmm. with men. And I loved the flip of that, doing yeah. the opposite. Yeah. And then the the father role, um, again, that, that like, they're they're connected, but they're separate yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. Like, they... Yeah, I mean, my th I think my favourite scenes in the film are those Skype calls. Yeah. I think they're so powerful. Um, I knew Clace is fantastic, but to me that relationship again, I it's very hard to draw a relationship using just phone calls and Skype. Mm -hmm. Like, is it going to translate, and is it going to be evocative emotionally? And I find the most powerful thing in, in the film because um, I saw that relationship as like this sort of three act war, where the father is dominant, and then father and son have battle and they're eye to eye and then son uh, has revolution like mm. it, that's how i see it in the three phone calls and um i think there's something so triumphant about that yeah nice <laughs> um so again just like with in terms of the process from the time you um submitted to yeah. the time it went into production how long was that so, okay, yes, you did ask me that initially, sorry. Um, so um, I submitted. Then what they do is like many, many people become 12. So they announce 12 winners. And then 12 are developed uh, somewhat through script. Mm -hmm. Then, it, you know, you go through another like process of elimination and 12 become six. Six are more developed further. So I think it's three years. Oh, okay. But very intensive development. There's a lot, like, and I actually, I love that sort of development vetting process. I think it's what makes good films. That's why I think, you know, the films that are worked through with government finance and many notes and many submissions and, you know, having to receive and, and prove yourself to, for the money that you're earning makes for a better film. And when did you actually shoot it? I shot in uh, October 2020, October, November okay. 2020. Yeah. So level five lockdown. Level five lockdown, <laughs> exactly. Do you feel that added to the the isolation of it? Um, so we start when we started, it was level three okay. for three days. <laughs> and then it went, you know, it went rapidly. Yeah. And um, I thought that was it done. I mean, I was driving to another location. It was on the radio. We all knew it was coming. And it skipped four and went to five. And I thought I pulled over into a ditch in Donegal and I went, that's it, we're done, oh, okay. hang up your hat. And then it was announced that um, healthcare workers and film and television would be essential and would continue. And I, I did not see that coming. Yeah. But 
the script didn't change at all. Mm-hmm. Like I always wrote it to be how it is in the film. Yeah. Years before we have even conceived of pandemic, you know? And so to me, it just, it kind of helped. Yeah. I mean, it gave that we all had to, I love when everybody involved in the film is living it in its entirety. I think kind of breaks the spell when people go home to their lives. I mean, it's obviously essential on bigger productions, mm-hmm. but independent film, it's how I grew up as an actor being in films where it was completely immersive from every department when everyone's on the ship and they're all rallying together with the same common goal and passion to see something that you care so much about come to fruition. And that's, those are the films that formed me as an actor and as a filmmaker. Um, And that's why I think I was always a filmmaker because of those experiences. So it lent to that. So as you said there, you you felt you were always a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. When... How was that for you making the transition from um, acting to directing to writing and directing? I didn't see it as a transition. That's the thing. Which is natural. Yeah, I mean, other people do, obviously, and I hadn't made a film before. But I've been writing as long as I've been acting. Okay. I started writing the first day I started acting, I think, because my first job was a a comedy series Mm -hmm. in in England. And um, what's great about comedy is it's very inclusive in that way. I was very much encouraged, like... I did this show with a comedian called Jack D. Mm-hmm. And I think the first week he said, why don't you write a script? And I said, what? I don't know. What? I don't know. I don't, how would I do that? And he literally said, just get a piece of paper and a pen and start. And, you know, a lot of people ask me now, oh, writing is so hard. It's really hard. It's yeah. always hard. It's a discipline. Yeah. You just keep going. And it's about getting things down. And I was taught that. So I've been writing since then. And... You know, I made a few shorts. I really believe in, in graft. Yeah. I really believe in, like, shadowing and uh, internships and apprenticeships. I believe that inherently. Um, I just felt... It was said to me a long time ago that I should direct. And I thought, well, how, why would I have the place to be a director? I haven't... I didn't go to film school. So then I thought I had to learn a lot about cameras and lenses and lighting setups and the technical side in order to be able to write appropriately to direct what I'm doing and to be able to communicate with my departments. So I did a lot of that. Um, And it was only, yeah. Uh, And then, you know, I I felt it was very essential to have done a few shorts before I could make a feature. Excellent. And so you you had a background in fashion. Um, So, but that must influence how you see things as well and how you write things. Yeah, that's it. I mean, my... When people hear that I was in fashion, I mean, I was 18 and 19, so I was quite young. And um, I again, I didn't think it was fashion. I thought it was like three-dimensional, uh, wearable art form. <laughs> I didn't really comprehend. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't into like making people look good. And what's interesting is that um, now looking back at the work I was doing in fashion, it seems very parallel to the work I'm doing as a filmmaker. Yeah. Like there's a very similar tonality. And it's, it's so fascinating to me to see, look, you know, I did all the I process, you know, concept notebooks and all these things. And they're really similar. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah. So you're just constantly creating and it's yeah. just a different form of creating. Exactly. I mean, I just think, and people used to ask me like, you know, uh, how could you possibly go to be an actor after being in fashion? And I could, I found that so perplexing because I'm like, well, they're just mediums by which to output, mm-hmm. surely. Yeah. yeah. 
So you were facing one major obstacle with level five lockdown. Was there any other challenges you were facing during the shoot? Uh, with COVID? Well, just in general. Um, well, what was, I mean, I love challenges. So when there's limitations like budget, I think it makes you rise to the occasion and be innovative. But budget was hard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Despite all that, um, just very simply with what the restrictions did and COVID and anyone anyone who made a film at this time knows that the first films out the gate it was about how to get insurance that was the hard part I mean it's so boring but that was the tricky no one knew uh from huge films to tiny ones how do you get insurance again because it was this new arena that everyone was dealing with um and so I had to do a COVID pass but the COVID pass was about making it cheaper basically trying to cut costs in order to get insurance and uh and that was tricky because i mean the budget's tiny anyway you know mm-hmm. and um so th- basic things like road lock-offs and cars okay. and stuff like that and very much at the time i mean you were flying by the seat of your pants in that schedules kept changing by loca- locations i mean i was very very lucky and what worked so well for my film was i did a set build and I'd always wanted to do a set build in a studio. I always wanted to do studio work. Um, I wanted to do a lot more beforehand, before COVID ever existed. Yeah. And then I sort of got my way <laughs> when COVID happened because we were so lucky to be hosted by Dunlow, this part of Donegal. Um, I found a house there and that made it the anchor of where I was going to shoot, the house that we see in the film. Yeah. I fell in love. That was the house and it could not be replaced. Uh and then there's nothing else for miles and miles and miles, but they had one community center and it was obviously not being used. And so we were able to take it over completely. And it was its main hallway space was big enough to facilitate an entire set build. Wow. And that's the whole, a lot of the interiors, you know, it's, um, it's the house. And I really want to do that because I was able to uh, design the floor plans. I was able to pre-design lighting plans and really have that prescribed attention to visual detail uh, pre-designed you know and I did lots of work with John Leslie the production designer and Pierce McGrail my DP and that was a main focus so that that excites you like the oh yeah the total creation of the world yeah 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 I mean it's first and foremost I think it's the main character is um from the beginning that was like I said that's my leading actor is uh, I wanted to create this alien space and you achieve that by being very um, strict with your visuals, your visual choices and having rules. And that's what I love about working with Pierce and John Leslie. And what would you say may have influenced you? Like who who are your inspirations? I never, uh, I never reference filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Um, for this film specifically, there was a lot of photographers, Martina Huglans and Rinko Koachi were two photographers I kept referencing. Um, their, their work mainly. There was a yeah. couple of Danish painters for the interiors. In the 1920s, there was like a movement of Danish painters and that was for the interior of the house mainly. There was work on that, like every single aspect of dressing and wall paint work was designed. Nice. So you seem like you're always working, you're always creating. Mm-hmm. Um, is there is there is there ever um, moments 
uh, mo- not necessarily of doubt, but moments where you need to build yourself back up or you need to like um, fight the fear. Yeah, I mean, I sometimes think like, um, I do know it's a very tough industry and, you know, people, uh, a lot of times the script you're so passionate about just won't get made. Mm-hmm. So I'm quite, feeling. yeah. <laughs> so I just, I do know that you, unfortunately when someone says, I'm not sure about the script, that is your lifeblood passion. Um, you need to go, well, I've got these three others in my back pocket, yeah. unfortunately, you know? Being and prepared. this is complete evidence of it. When I was told to apply for a small fund, a small budget fit fund, I was like, well, I've had a film in development, Screen Ireland, for years. Make that one. Yeah. But it's not always the one that gets made, you know? Right. Um, and yeah, I just, I guess it's allowing yourself to be curious and open to new avenues and ideas and try and be not even prolific, but um, welcoming to other ideas because we become so impassioned by what we're doing and you're constantly trying to fuel it for forwards and get mm. things made and sometimes it's just it's about being open to other avenues I guess yeah and timing yeah totally telling the story at the right time yeah 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 um some of the themes that I I for me watching the movie um there was the like being in a space but not communicating mm-hmm I think we see in like kind of bit that like the friends in the car or the um the grandfather and the grandson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and again that you, you just gave that space. Yeah. Um people talk too much, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, We're on a podcast. <laughs> um, um Well, I just what I really wanted to get was um, you know, I mean I think he spends a lot of time walking alone. Yeah. And I uh, not, you know, again, at the time that it was in, I couldn't do test screenings or anything. Okay. And um, there's a wonderful man called Thomas Bidigan, who is, he's like, he's, I was always written for Jacques Audiard, and he made a film that I was in a little bit called Les Cabay. And so I asked him if he would watch it and just give me some feedback. And he said, oh, you know, the guy walking across for a long time is too long. Um, because in his film Nick Aboy, he has um, his his main actor walking across like Afghanistan, and he said that the main criticism was the length of time. But I just find it so. Uh, I just think I think that's where the emotion builds, you know, mm. and um, people not speaking. I mean, I think sometimes silences are just much more tense than yeah. talking. Yeah, you certainly have to read the body language and yeah. the um, eye movements and connection. Another theme I felt was uh, the mother theme, the, like the mm-hmm. absent of mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like absent mother or mothers having something taken away from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because, um, you know, I've always focused on the male in this and the conversation about the also the, you know, the sensuality and is it homoerotic, whatever. And sometimes we forget about the mother, but it was it's been mentioned to me over the past couple of days by two women and they said they felt such presence of the female and I was it's really interesting that that's what women take from it because it is the constant what's being spoken of and that presence and that need and that want for the absence of the mother is so it's so deep Mm. so present yeah because there's a constant reminder and it's her lack of presence that actually makes her and she so needed yeah for sure and so how was it for you being back there for that amount of time so 
Um, actually, what was really interesting to me was in the development time, because um, I've been filming in Belfast, er, like as an actor, mm-hmm. the beginning of 2020, when the stuff began to happen. Right. And, um, <laughs> and I was meant to shoot in uh, my own film in June. And so, you know, like the March when everything started to happen. Yeah. I was like, I think I went to LA for like two days and I thought I better get back. Because I thought what would start happening is um, flights would stop. Or, or Anyway, but um, but so I stayed in Donegal. Okay. And it was the longest amount of time I've ever stayed in one place. Because <laughs> I've got a real like flight habit. Like I can't stay in one place ever for right. any period of time. And so it was the first time I was in somewhere, like stayed in one place for such a period of time. And I, you know, and no one could go anywhere. And so I thought, well, this is really good to get to know the place where I'm filming. Mm. And I go, I tend to go, I started doing these walks at like five in the morning. And wow. I walked for like two hours. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was, it's, now I know the place really, really well, you yeah. know. And yeah, it was really special for that reason. Were your walks like Hamish's walks? <laughs> Quite like Hamish's walks, yeah. <laughs> you were safe. Yeah. Um, so it was a, like, a therapeutic's the wrong word to say, but it was a comforting experience for you being yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I obviously felt, um, I felt like a bird with clipped wings, so I was quite, like, raging the hillside for a while. But um, I suppose, like, I always, the reason I wrote Hamish, I just never felt that I could write a film about the place where I was born but didn't was not did not grow up in. Mm-hmm. I could not write a protagonist who is is of the people. I had to make, write an outsider because it's yeah. not my position to be the voice of the community. Yeah. So I always wanted to I I felt I could only write someone who's an outsider observing. You know, that's what he is. He's somewhere someone who wants to connect with his birthplace. And just uh, what I found in that whatever it was six month period was I I you see I be, there was a couple of things that I changed in the script were how the boys spoke like I saw that I was writing stereotypes okay you know you get to understand that you start to take away the stereotype mm-hmm. and just much more feel it and also then um, I mean it was always like that but I just much more I felt the land a lot more yeah mm. And speaking about how the boys speak, it was it was nice to see um, how they interacted with each other and how they um, what their hanging out was because it was very different to what we might expect their hanging out yeah. to be. I mean, that was very specifically written uh, to, again to go against stereotype, and I wanted to show something that was very unconscious. Yeah, like where there is a sensuality that is without agenda or without follow through without any cynicism, because they haven't yet conceived of that. Yeah. And that is a kind of a precious innocence that we don't see that much anymore. And I think is in some communities where there isn't that much external influence. Mm. And uh, and there's something very poignant and rare about that. And that's why everything about those boys was very conscious. Every garment that they wear right. was... Um, like done, you know, I was mathematically orchestrated mm-hmm. because I really wanted to go against what we would anticipate. Yeah. And they they don't seem to have too much interaction with adults. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, we see them so sporadically 
and uh, I really wanted to give that kind of uh, Lord of the Flies tribe type mm, aspect. Yeah. You know, where they're in a world of their own. Yeah. And there is something that is, it's just a sheer innocence without any hint of meanness. Yeah, or awareness. Yeah. Like. And because what's so important about that with Bert, putting Hamish into that world is they're so raw and direct that it's completely disarming. Yeah. And that's what it does to him. Yeah. He just kind of flows with it. Um, so you, you've been, have you been traveling a bit with the movie? Yeah. Um, it feels like it's been a long time. Okay. So it started at South by in Texas and then, um, where'd it go? I think it was in Sydney with the European film promotion director's thing. Um, which I was very happy about. Because, but just because, um, it's European women filmmakers and they make it and it's selection of 10 and they it's it's just the most wonderful curation of phenomenal talent these women i it's the greatest honor for me to put be put in that group i really i mean sometimes i think it's not so acknowledged because the english language is like a minority in that dynamic um so i was very pleased uh, proud of that and uh it went to munich it went to Galway. it went to a load of places i can't remember Great, and it's it's, like, it's going to be released here on Friday, the twenty third of yes. September. Yeah, great. And what have what have you got coming up? Are you working on? Are you? Just, I mean, because you're still quite busy with this. Yeah. Are, or and do you have anything else in the pipeline? I do. I'm a lot. Of, I can't really say what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I the, what this has done is it's given me the the endorsement and confidence to continue making films that are intrinsically from my gut. Yeah. You know, that's what I really want to do, and just keep pushing because um. Yeah, because, I mean, if there was, you know, we always know that we have to sort of maybe toe the line a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I want to see what I can do next. Um, and then I'm I'm acting for the next, like, year. So just, it's a balance of both. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank it's you. been a pleasure having you cool. here. And thank you for, um, it's it's an inspiration listening to you speak. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> well, just... And just you, you work and you keep going. And as you said, you're you're telling telling stories from you, yeah, and telling stories that you want to tell. Yes, like yes, it is. I mean, it's funny because I always say that. Um, you know, I think um at South by I said somewhere that the film is like if you rip me open and you just looked at my entrails, and I said there's my guts. That's the film. Yeah, kind of. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It is. And is it for you watching the film? How is it for you watching it? It changes every time. It's every time feels slightly new. But um yeah, it's 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 incredibly personal. Right. But without being this is a story about when I was 14. You know it's not linear, but it's incre- every aspect of it is incredibly personal. Yeah. And do you feel there's aspects of you in each of the characters? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well <Get> noted <laughs> well noted I like you said that thank you the podcast studios are opening their doors to everyone this culture night come see the place where your favourite Headstuff podcast network shows are made get behind the scenes access learn about production and record your very own five minute podcast this is an opportunity not to be missed Join us Friday the 23rd of September. Register on eventbrite.ie or see the Culture Night website for more details. We look forward to seeing you there.